The Kadacha Sung, Remembering Sam Watson. The Kadacha Sung, a novel by Sam Watson, was published in 1990 by Penguin Book. The one God, a greater being, who made his camp on the rich delts and in the lush valleys of the Southland. This is Sam Watson describing the Aboriginal spirit, the army. This short piece began as a review of Sam Watson's book, but has turned into a remembrance of the life and times of this Aboriginal leader. We are coming close to the second anniversary of Sam's death. This is a great personal and public loss for Brisbane blacks and socialists in Mianjin, Brisbane. It is worth looking at the novel The Kadacha Sung that Sam wrote in the late 1980s to appreciate why. Aboriginal myth. It does not seem that long ago that I learnt about Biami. It was Budger Davidson, one of the Perga elders from Deebing Creek, west of Ipswich, that explained to me who was the spirit Biami. We were sitting in a tent in Musgrave Park during the 30th anniversary of the Commonwealth Games protests in November 2012. And it was Sam Watson's play, The Mac, that revealed to me the significance of the Kadacha, or clever man, a mixture of superhero and spiritual leader. The Mac was put on at the Judith Wright Centre in Fortitude Valley in the early 2000s. I suppose my lack of common knowledge of common myths of Aboriginal people is not surprising given that they were never mentioned in Queensland schools or universities. But it is surprising given that even in my own family we have books written by our forebears who knew the Aboriginal myth, culture and legend only a few generations back. One of my grandfathers, Edward M. Kerr, even wrote a book in four volumes about the Australian race, its origin, languages, customs, place of landing in Australia and the routes by which it spread itself over that continent. Little significance was given to the vast culture of the Aboriginal people by my family while I was growing up, despite our role in the taking of lands that Aboriginal people owned only a few generations ago. I say vast culture because prior to colonisation, some of the Aboriginal elders could recite over 20,000 songs or stories. As recently as 1996, John Howard refused to say sorry for the terrible loss of this rich culture caused by colonisation. No doubt he was hoping the whole question would simply go away, be forgotten or pushed into the background by the more recent achievements of European settlers. But as Henry Reynolds points out, this whispering in our hearts is hard to shake. Arundhati Roy put it this way, the trouble is that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And once you've seen it, keeping quiet, saying nothing, becomes as political an act as speaking out. There is no innocence, either way, you're accountable. Sam Watson sets out in the Kadacha Sung to make sure his readers know and remember these myths. Watson is angry and he shouts out the terrible violence that is being committed in the name of European civilization, particularly the murderous deeds of the native mounted police. The book is a mixture of social realism and Aboriginal mythology. Some critics say it is misogynist and anti-gay. Lisa Hill, who helped organise the ANZ Lit Lovers Indigenous Literature Week in 2019, claims that it 
It's a nasty book, full of vengeful violence, drunken brawls, racist, hate-filled sprays, and brutal, exploitative sex against women and gays. Ms Hill questions why Sam Watson was given the National Indigenous Writer of the Year Award in 1991 for the Kadacha Sun. This was prior to John Howard becoming Prime Minister, and we can be pretty sure it would take a brave panel of judges to give Sam Watson this award were Howard in power. The publication in 1991 by Penguin Books of the Kadacha Sung predates Keith Winchuttle's declaration of the history wars in his book The Fabrication of Aboriginal History published in 2002. A text full of lies about the level of colonial violence in 19th century Van Diemen's land. Privilege over poverty. There is a lot of violence, alcohol and sex in the book. In contrast to the criticism of Ms Hill about sex and violence in the Kadacha Sung, Kath Walker's response was, she slapped me on the forehead and called me a dirty little bugger, what Watson says about Ujiru's reaction when she read this novel. The story had a bit of sex and violence in it, but she chuckled, gave me a hug and said, that's terrific. There was a lot of hidden sex and violence in Queensland during the years covered by the book. This was covered by the homespun, covered up by the homespun deception by those in political power at the time, particularly the Bielke Petersons, Joe and Flo. Lady Flo, nay, Florence Isabel Gilmore, helped create the myth with her love of pumpkin scone. This myth was enthusiastically taken up by the mainstream media. The reality was quite different. Peterson's wife attained political power using down-home Christian values by suffering by softening her husband's hard edge. She also played both sides of the fence in a two-party state, often crossing the floor to vote with the other side. Gilmore was raised in a wealthy Brisbane Riverside suburb of New Farm, starting her schooling at the New Farm State School and later attending the elitist Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Long before she met Joe, the future Lady Flo was employed as a private secretary to the Queensland Commissioner for Main Roads. Gilmore was the product of an inner city upbringing far removed from the rural power base of her party, the National. Her simple homespun sayings and her recipes formed part of the Queensland National Party's promotion of the Bjorki Petersons personality cult. Only a short distance from her comfortable family life in New Farm was the hard edge of corruption and violence in Brisbane's Fortitude Valley. This cesspit sported the highest number of murders in the state in Kent Street. It was the home of anti-gay violence. Diagonally across the corner from the Sunday Sun was the Hacienda Hotel of prostitution, the open selling of sex from the footpath in Brunswick Street, drug trafficking and illegal brothel. 612 Brunswick Street was an illegal brothel. Casinos, for example above Pinocchio's restaurant, and after hours drinking in nightclubs. All controlled by a corrupt police force from top to bottom. This was regularly denied by the Minister for Everything, Russ Inns. Lady Flo's partner in crime was a former special branch cop known to the waterside workers as Shady Lane. In 1971, Donald Frederick Lane was elected as the Liberal member for Merthyr, an electoral an electorate which included New, both New South Wales, both New Farm and Fortitude Valley. During Lane's time with the police, 
He received bribes from Jack Reginald Herbert, the chief organiser of The Joke, and the Rat Pack of Terry Lewis, the commissioner, Tony Murphy licensing, and Glenn Halligan licensing as well. Following the 1983 Queensland state election, Lane's cover-up of crime and violence was rewarded by the National Party and he, along with Brian Austin, was given ministerial leather in order to more effectively gerrymander and malapportion seats to increase the National Party's political control in the state of Queensland. Police oversaw the burning down of the Whiskey A Go Go nightclub on the 8th of March 1973. At the time, Australia's biggest mass murder. Police involved were still alive, some are still alive, have evaded a detection and prosecution despite the reopening of the inquest in 2021, nearly 50 years after the first. Sex, lies and anger. The control of sex and violence by a corrupt police force was aided by police magistrates and a supine judiciary. This was confronting including some who were raised inside sexually repressive Christian churches. The sexual revolution of the 1960s bypassed many in Queensland. Sexual expression was not encouraged and was largely repressed. Perhaps still is, but in different ways. Regarding the black anger in the book, perhaps this is an act of self-help to overcome the author's own experience of violence and racism. There was little opportunity for Aboriginal people to get access to a good mainstream education. For example, Sam Watson's Uncle Len was one of the first Aboriginal people, if not the first, to attend the University of Queensland. At that time, in the 1960s, the only tertiary institution in the state. Sam Watson's dedication in the frontispiece reads, to Catherine, his wife, Wagon, his son, and Mayra, perhaps his daughter. Into that place where reigned chaos and despair, you brought love and hope and laughter so rare. Thank you. Lisa Hill curiously asks if the cosmological myth about the rainbow serpent in the, is the author's creation or in an authentic myth. She states it might be an amalgam of several myths, as the myth underlying the ABC's Clever Man series apparently was. I have sympathy for Miss Hill's confusion given the lack of formal education about Aboriginal culture, the deceptions and lies told by our leaders in academia, history wars, and politics, the Bielke Petersons, Peter Beattie, John Howard, Scott Morrison, and so forth. However, I question whether a non-Indigenous person with little knowledge of Aboriginal culture is the best person to curate an Indigenous literary week, or even to pass judgment on whether Sam Watson is a deserving winner of the National Indigenous Writer of the Year Award in 1991. I would say to, I would like to say something about the author. Some critics allege that the text of the Kadacha Sung is misogynist and homophobic. I ask, does that reflect on the author? This is a work of fiction. It is a novel. Portrayal of misogyny and homophobia in society is not the same as the author being a woman hater or anti-gay. The character Tommy is the protagonist in The Kadacha's Son. Watson does share some limited biographical similarities with the author, with, with, with the protagonist, who, like 
others has drawn on life experiences and imagination to portray the character who is Tommy. For example, both Sam and Watson and Tommy were studying law and encouraged to do so by their Aboriginal families, perhaps even to help them resist the racist attacks coming from the dominant paradigm in Australian society. Both Sam and Tommy gave up the law, presumably because the contradictions were simply too great. The legal system of the early 1970s in Australia was oppressive to Aboriginal people. First Nations people had only just been recognised as human beings and not fauna, and therefore counted in the census as a result of the 1967 referendum. Tommy narrates violent, racist, homophobic and misogynist attacks on people in the book. He is an angry, clever man, Kadacha, who sees no hope in the white system of justice. It must be overcome by violence and he launches a scheme involving killing, rape and torture of white people and their surrogates in the native mountains police. Tommy is eventually hung for the murder of a cop whom he does not even know. It is hard to reconcile some of the stories in the book with the man of peace that I knew, Sam Watson. In literature, there is a construct known as the implied author. Distinct from the author Sam and the narrator Tommy, the term refers to the authorial character that a reader infers from a text based on the way a literary work is written. Can we imply that the angry and violent man Tommy reflects the character and way of life of Watson, the author? This takes some thought and knowledge of the time prior to the writing of the book. Sam Watson's life had similarities with Tommy, the protagonist in the book. For example, they were both law clerks, as I said, and encouraged to take up the law. Both chose not to because of the contradictions. How could Sam Watson be part of a system that so relentlessly put down his people and permitted so many to die in custody and at times to set about murdering Aboriginal men and women. A system that took away their children and robbed them of autonomy of whom they should marry or associate with. Murder most foul. I remember an incident at Parliament House in George Street, Brisbane, Mianjin, in 2006. Cameron Moranji Dumaji had been murdered by Senior Sergeant Chris Hurley on Palm Island on the 19th of November 2004. Sam Watson led a demonstration to Parliament after the head of the DPP, Leanne Clare, refused to charge Hurley despite a finding by Coroner Clements that the police officer had killed Murunji on Palm Island in the Watch House. At the gates of Parliament, there were large numbers of police and security. Then Premier Peter Beattie came to the gates and offered Sam an invitation into the Parliament as part of a delegation. An irritating tactic by Beattie to defuse an angry situation. Sam declined, declined perfunctorily, saying we were there to obtain justice for Cameron Dunaji and his family and we were one mob. Beattie then out asked to speak to the crowd. Sam arranged for me to provide Beattie with a microphone so that the angry crowd could hear what the Premier had to say. Beattie then performed a masterstroke of appeasement, telling the crowd that he intended to refer the matter to an independent arbiter, Sir Lawrence Street, a retired judge from New South Wales. Lawrence Street was known to people in media circles as being the husband of Jesse Street, who was a supporter of workers and the poor in the 1960s, a fellow traveller with the Communist Party of Australia. For example, Jesse Street was once invited across the class curtain by communist waterside worker Albie Graham 
to visit the Waterside Workers Club at the top of Adelaide Street in Brisbane. The famous black Americans actor and singer Paul Robeson was there as part of a tour to support workers' rights, including singularly fantastic performance to building workers on the construction site of the Sydney Opera House. The Wharfies wanted a high-profile human rights activist like Jesse Street to join in with them to celebrate this visit. Anyhow, Lawrence Street, the judge, recommended that Hurley be charged with manslaughter. He was tried and acquitted by an all-white jury in Townsville, a racist army town. Watson has a right to be angry when confronted by incidents like this, coupled with Anglo-Australia's collective ignorance of the past history of the, and culture of his people. I knew Sam Watson on and off for many years and found him to be a positive person, a builder, not a destroyer a man of peace. Only once did he engage in violence against the cops, and that was when Daniel Yock, a close Aboriginal brother, was killed by police in West End. For the most part, Watson, unlike the protagonist Tommy in the Kadacha Sung, kept his anger in check. Watson was certainly not a misogynist or anti-gay. He reached out to everyone, regardless of gender, creed or race. Watson was a, had a strong affinity for his auntie Kath, as he called her. Sam spoke of Ujiru with admiration on many occasions. He wrote a play about her life titled Ujiri Bloodline to Country, reviewed in these pages by Rosemary Sorensen. Many of the myths in Kadacha are to be found in Ujiru's book Stradbroke Dreamtime. Ujiru was a good educator. I can remember attending forums in the early 1970s at Mungalba on Minjeribar where Adikath told students of all races about the strong connection that Aboriginal people had to the land and to the animals, plants, on her island. She told us how Aboriginal people sought and obtained help from dolphins in catching the sea mullet that run along the beaches each year from May to August. Kath Walker explained to us the old ways of how Aboriginal fishermen and local dolphins used uh, to combine their forces to, to catch great patches of mullet as they ran close to the beaches. More than 180 generations of Aboriginal fishermen caught, caught mullet in those ways. But Kath Walker was more than a poet and a writer. She was an activist seeking change. Her son, Dennis Bijam, and Sam followed in her footsteps and set up the Black Panther Party here in Brisbane. And both Kath and Sam were conflicted about Dennis, who was a clever man, but also violent. Dennis beat up on women and stabbed comrades. His anger would spill over into the public arena. He threatened to murder the first black president of the University of Queensland Students' Union, Jim Varghese. When Jim reported Dennis to police, the left supported Dennis, and he was kept out of jail. Arnie Clath also had a gay son who committed suicide. Somehow, Kath Walker's strength and resilience came through. Hear her torment in the poem, Son of Mine, to Dennis. My son, your troubled eyes search mine, puzzled and hurt by colour line. Your black skin soft as velvet shine. What can I tell you, son of mine? I could tell you of heartbreak, hatred blind. I could tell of crimes that shame mankind. Of brutal wrong and deeds malign. Of rape and murder, son of mine. But I'll tell instead of brave and fine, where lives of black and white entwine, and men and brotherhood combine. This would I tell you, son of mine. This is the context within which Sam Watson wrote The Kadacha Sun. Sam has used Articat's Dreamtime stories and brought them into a time of street violence and, and police murder, where myth of the, of the noble savage is trodden underfoot. All the characters of the Dreamtime are there. Biami, 
the Bunyat, the Rainbow Serpent, the Gadacha, Kubara and Bukha. Sam Watson has used his imagination to tell a story set during the Joe years in Queensland, a time there, when there was no sexual education in schools, where sitting down and being quiet was mandatory for 12 years for all school kids. It is hard for the following generations to understand the damage done during those years. The racism led to the police murder of Daniel York in 1993, a young dancer close to Watson and his countryman Lionel Fogarty. The Royal Commission that ensued was headed up by Brisbane Labor lawyer Lou Weibel, who made recommendations that were never implemented by successive Queensland governments, causing even more deaths in custody. I remember the, 19, the 2007 May Day March and rallying next in the exhibition grounds where Sam was about to step up onto the alternative platform. Kevin Rudd was on the main platform saying he was here to help. The left had hurriedly organised an alternative platform in the lead up to the 2007 elections where Howard was defeated by Kevin 07 and even lost his own safe Liberal seat at Benelong. Just as Sam was about to give a welcome to country, he got a call from the police commissioner reporting a serious incident in Fortitude Valley Watch House. This incident led to a death in custody, so Sam had to go and console the family of the young Aboriginal man who lay in a coma in the Royal Brisbane Hospital, but later died of those injuries sustained after a suspicious fall from the second story of Valley Police Station. Sam would organise and turn up at every Black Deaths in Custody rally, seeking justice for his countrymen and women. He chaired every Invasion Day rally in, in Brisbane save for one. The time when Kevin Rudd said sorry, Sam went down to Canberra to witness the speech and to, match, to march with the new generation of First Nations people. So close was Sam to his country here in Queensland and so strong were his ties to Brisbane Blacks that he told me that he felt conflicted about going. It is little wonder that the main character Tommy in Sam's story ends up being hung for murdering a copper he never met. Tommy gave this address to the court prior to being sentenced for murder. You find me guilty of the crime of murder, Tommy spoke clearly, his voice reaching every section of the courtroom. The public gallery and the press benches were overflowing. By virtue of your British law, you say that I've killed a man and that is the way your law works. Your law does not belong to this land. You are invaders and you have come into my house and you have raped and pillaged my people. Angry murmurs burst from the mass of whites in the gallery, but the judge said nothing. You have taken my land with gun and poison and you hold my land with gun and poison, Tommy continued. He stood tall in the dock, dressed in the blue prison clothes and manacled, but still proud. Now you say that I have killed one man and for that I must die. This law of yours is very very strange. You have murdered tens of thousands of my people, yet to this day you walk unpunished. But I say to you this, he turned and spoke directly to the now hushed face in the public gallery. I say this, that you are like empty shells. You do not have any substance or any gut. I have strength in my history and my heart and in my soul. I carry them inside me all the time. You do not have that. My land and my spirit are in me and they are me. That is the way of my people and that is the way of my law. And you cannot take this thing from me because I am dirt. I am the rock and the tree. I am the air and the rain. I am the land. And I say to this to you, Migaloo, you will be doomed to the end of time to wear the blood of my people. You will carry that scar on your mind and on your body. You will not be able to wash it away. The blood is upon 
the land until the end of time, and it is upon you until the end of time. In one sense, this is Sam Watson speaking the words of Tommy, unfiltered and proud. This is the same Watson that refused Peter Beattie's invitation into the parliament to discuss government's refusal to prosecute Senior Sergeant Chris Hurley for the murder of Mulrunji Dumi. Sam's refusal to be corrupted by the politicians won the support of his people, and so when he died, a gaping hole of leadership was left yet to be filled. At his funeral, I am reminded of what Gary Foley said, native title is not land right, and reconciliation is not justice. Words that could easily have been said by Sam himself then, therefore, are the sensitive and beautiful words of his son, the poet, Sam Wagon Watson. Revisiting childhood through that time gauze of graying feather, back to a time when the road seemed wider and had the same volume of insanity. Dad always concrete at the wheel, mum in the worry seat, staring, sharing with Dad the worries sometimes reaching the back seat as the sporadic vapours got too heavy and did their backdraft thing upon our small foreheads breathing in the pockets of blackness. Yet we ride, our little bodies fading into the upholstery. The rear view mirror keeping its eye on us. That's Sam Wagon Watson from Back Road in Smoke Encrypted Whispers, which was published by UQ Press in 2004. Aboriginal Cultural Centre. There is one more story I would like to tell about Sam Watson. Brisbane is the only capital city in Australia without an Aboriginal Cultural Centre. Sometime before Jackie Trad was unseated in the Brisbane state election of 2020, Sam asked me to come with him on a visit to the Deputy Premier's office to discuss an Aboriginal cultural centre to be built in or near Musgrave Park, which is the home of Brisbane Blacks. It was evident from the outset of the meeting that there was strong chemistry between Sam Watson and Jackie Trad, the member for South Brisbane. They enjoyed each other's company. Anyway, when the question arose, Jackie made a statement which some could interpret as an offer to build a more much longed for cultural centre. I didn't see it as a precise offer, certainly not when the Deputy Premier mentioned the figure $30 million as being the cost to build such a cultural centre, appropriate for a city of this size and having, as it does, a, a fairly large Aboriginal population. Sam was unfazed by such a big figure so early in the negotiations. He joked, we're blackfellas, Jackie. It should only cost you $10 million. Unfortunately, Jackie Trad lost her seat and we'll never see if she was serious about building the cultural centre. It is yet still to be built. Despite several generations of Brisbane blacks wanting and needing a place where future generations of blackfellas and whitefellas can learn more about the vast Aboriginal culture of this Southland. Regrets. I am sad I had never got to discuss the book Kadachisung with Sam Watson, for in the making of that book somehow Sam managed to emerge proud and strong, but without the corrosive anger contained in the book. We all have much to learn from this man, and I congratulate the panel that had the courage to award Sam with the National Indigenous Writer of the Year Award in 1991. However, it may not have all been courage. It may have been a matter of penguin jumping on a wave or really begun with the with a number of Indigenous authors publishing books. Penguin may even have been seeking a degree of notoriety given the amount of sex and violence in the book. Maybe Sam Watson really was a Kadacha man. Who knows what the good spirit in Sam could have achieved had he lived a lifespan equivalent to those people who stole his country and consigned blackfellas to a life of struggle. Ian Kerr, 29th of October, 2021.